Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Daryl Brown. Well, like I said, that was a very pivotal point, pivotal point in our history, but you know, if, if you study the history of that era, that the taxation of the South, the South paid 80% of the taxes in the United States. And when they seceded, Lincoln was asked, why not just let them go? If they want to go, they can go. They can secede. And what Lincoln's response was, well, who will pay the taxes if they secede? The tax structure was was bit, was built on a way that punished the South uh, economically, but that spared the North. And that was a real issue. Uh, people like to think that slavery was the primary issue. It was part of it, but primarily it was taxation. But nevertheless, when you deal with a document, a contract based upon principles, and we, we have discussed that, things change instances, circumstances change, but principles do not change. And, and that, I believe, is where we have gone awry in this country, is that the principles are no longer being adhered to by a large percentage of the population who want to impose their will on the others. And the Supreme Court has been a party to that process over the last hundred years. And the Supreme Court has allowed the people who want to, the busybodies in our neighborhood, if you wish, the Supreme Court has allowed them to impose their will on the rest of us. And that's why there's an enormous divide in this country today. We'll bring, I'll bring this back to something that's in the news right now. Um, I'm sure many of your listeners are in favor of the wall on the border with Mexico. And whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, the one thing that I would point out is that due process demands something regarding that wall. There are not just states that border Mexico. There are private property owners that border Mexico. If you're going to build a wall, 
do those private property owners not have and, and for, for them to build that wall unless they consent to having the wall built on their property, the government's going to have to take that property through eminent domain. If that is in fact the case, those people get due process and they must get due process. How's the wall being built? It's being built through emergency powers. There's being money that's been diverted from the military and from other sources to build this wall. Who declared the emergency? The executive declared the emergency. It's going different places than where Congress said it was supposed to go. Where was the process involved there that allowed that particular money, and I know that it's been in the news, to go towards building a wall as opposed to building a middle school at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, which apparently is very overcrowded. The wisdom of those things, I I, I don't seek to debate, but legally, there's due process that's involved here. There are separation of powers issues. There are, there are legal rights of private individuals that are at stake here. And if you give them due process, can we build a wall on the Mexican border within, um, from, from, from the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific? Yes, you can. You can build that wall. But all of those property owners are going to have to be paid for their property. They're going to have to be paid for the devaluation of their property because, well, the, views, the view used to be of Mexico, which may or may not be a beautiful view, but the, the view of a wall is basically the same view you get if you're in prison. My guest on Freedom Forum Radio is Daryl Brown. Interesting that you should bring that up because several months ago we had as a guest on Freedom Forum Radio Jim Chilton, uh, who is owns he is a cattle rancher in New Mexico and he owns five miles of Mexican border, and uh, that fence on his on the border in his five miles is a five strand barbed wire cattle fence. He has 26 routes that smugglers use through his property, uh, bringing drugs and, and, and women and children and, and, and everything else through his property. He's been robbed. He's been threatened at gunpoint. His neighbor was murdered by cartels who place their spotters on the mountain peaks with military equipment that rivals our own with night vision and high-powered rifles, and they communicate with the mules bringing people and drugs into across his property, right by his house, every single night. And I guarantee you, if you ask him, he'd be very willing to put a wall on his property. And yes, under the eminent domain provisions in the Constitution, he should be paid for that. He must be paid for that. But I'm sure that he would agree and probably a lot of his other neighbors would also agree. 
uh, it's now become a question of security for people like him. Uh, when his wife was out in the garden and stood up and there was a, uh, a smuggler right behind her well arm, and if he hadn't come out of the house with his gun, who knows what might have happened to her. So they're living a very dangerous life on the border, and security, of course, is at issue. But nevertheless, to get back to due process, we need to talk about potential red flag laws and the Second Amendment. That, to me, is one of our biggest risks at this moment for due process. You, all, you know, of course, that to our founders, the right of the people to be armed was not only for self-protection, but to, to make sure that we as citizens had a voice to restrain the federal government. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said it eloquently, is that the tree of liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of tyrants and patriots. And that was their belief at the time. If red flag laws uh, are passed by Congress uh, that would allow citizens to tattletale on their neighbors for no reason whatsoever, and the federal government can then come and confiscate weapons and property from individuals, private law-abiding individuals, then that is a serious violation of due process. There are red flag laws have been around now for about 20 years. The first red flag law that I can remember hearing about, I think, was right before the turn of the century in Connecticut. And it was, uh, it was something that was in response to a mass shooting. Um, and there are probably a dozen other states that, that have red flag laws now. Um, the one thing that I would point out to you legally is that there are other red flag laws out there that, um, well, they walk and quack like red flag laws, but they are not viewed as red flag laws. Um, I'm familiar with North Carolina law being, uh, being a North Carolina attorney. Um, there is an involuntary commitment process um, where a law enforcement officer or a family member can walk into a magistrate's office and make a case that an individual is um, a danger to themselves or to others. And the magistrate can issue an involuntary commitment order and a local law enforcement um, officer is ordered to go and pick that person up, arrest them, basically, take them to a hospital where they are subjected to a, a medical and mental evaluation. And then if that individual who's making that evaluation says, yes, this individual may be a threat to themselves, or a threat to others, they can send them to a mental hospital. Where are they afforded due process after that? Yes, but you're going to be in a mental hospital 
at least in this in 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 the thirtieth district, you're going to be in that mental hospital. It's in Haywood County, it's where they send most of them until Friday, until Friday morning about eight o'clock. And if you get put in on an on, on an involuntary commitment on Sunday, you're going to be there until Friday before you get in front of a judge and have a hearing as to whether or not you are competent enough to be released. What happens to your what happens to your family? What happens to your property while you you're um, languishing? I guess might be the best way to put it in a mental institution. It's not taken into consideration. Um, and if you go, if you if that ever happens to you, you can't get a permit to buy a gun. If it's on the books, even if it's the the doctor at the hospital says that, no, this person's not, they're not a person who should be involuntarily committed, it's still on the books. And if you go to apply for a concealed carry permit, a permit to buy a gun, you're going to get denied. Why? It's there. And let me tell you, it's a long process to get it taken off. And they can deny you that. And what did you have the opportunity to do? Nothing. Because there's nothing in place that allows you to take it off. It has to be done by a judge upon petition. And then you have to get a hearing. And then everybody gets a chance to be heard. But that can be years on down the road. And if you've got a if you've got a concealed carry permit and you go back and it's five years later and they just tell you, no, we can't give you another one. If you go and you want to buy a pistol, no, sorry, can't give you one. It's not a discretionary decision that the sheriff gets to make at all. It's written in the law. Another situation. Um, domestic violence is a terrible problem in this country. Um, I've dealt with a lot of domestic violence cases throughout my career, and I've seen it destroy families. Um, abused and neglected children that I represent now, at least half of them are victims of domestic violence. But in North Carolina, a domestic violence protective order, which can be obtained ex parte, says what? The sheriff goes and gets you, gets all your weapons, and they can bar you from your property. And do you get the opportunity to have a redress of your grievances? Yes. You're supposed to get one sometime within 10 days. It doesn't always happen that way. What's happened, your freedom and your property rights and your Second Amendment rights have gone away based on the word of someone else that you never had the opportunity to speak as to the truth of what they were saying. And, you know, there are situations where people will go in and they will lie. I mean, that is, that's just the truth. Um, folks will go in and they will, they'll make allegations, and I see this quite a bit, um, that simply aren't true or can't be proven. And does that take anything back? Does that take anything back? No, it doesn't. The damage 
is done. And that ex parte domestic violence order remains on your record that's run through the National Criminal Information System. It remains. And there is no expungement process to get one of those taken off. And you are considered a threat and a spousal or child abuser for the rest of your days. Where is the due process? Well, that's what I want to know, Daryl Brown. This has mm-hmm. been a really incredible discussion, and I've enjoyed every single minute of it. So what I'm going to ask you is let's go back to due process, okay? What is the – what is the to, – to, to you, what is the status currently of due process and – I was going to say, what should we do about it? But I don't know if we can do anything about it. And so what is due process? How, what is our current status in this country, in your eyes as a lawyer, of due process? And how does that affect the average citizen of this country, the law-abiding citizen of this country? That's not a small question. I understand that. (laughs) And you have a brain that's large enough to encompass it. Due process and due process rights are expanding in some areas and being contracted in others. Um, You see the expansion of, of due process rights in the Sixth Amendment, as I had mentioned before. You're seeing that a lot more regarding confrontation of witnesses. Uh, The confrontation clause has been expanded. It's continuing to be expanded. Um, The Fourth Amendment is, and the due process rights under the Fourth Amendment are, I hate to say the word dying, but it's close. The Fourth Amendment is being eroded uh, considerably by decisions of the the U.S. courts and the state courts um, being um, being accepted from unreasonable searches and seizures. Well, who defines unreasonable? The courts define unreasonable. Um, recent case uh, involving people who are unconscious. The United States Supreme Court said that that law enforcement officers can draw their blood without their consent, and they actually overturned a case, um, the McNeely case out of Missouri, um, and said that, no, while that is still a search, you are unconscious and can't object to it. Talking about a can of worms that gets opened, and this is not just an invasion of your privacy. This is an invasion of your body. But the United States Supreme Court said it's okay. Why? Because you're fighting driving. Okay, that is a legitimate thing to fight against. But... It is a very, very slippery slope that you get on because what's next? What's next? 
Um, we see those trends. Um, the North Carolina Supreme Court in recent decisions has also expanded some of the exceptions to the Fourth Amendment. And it is, it's not a matter of political philosophy. It just seems to be momentum that has, has gone um, for quite a while now. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Yeah, when I played the hoochie-coochie man... I get joy in everything, 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 everything gonna be all right this morning.